welcome. Coming up, we'll chat with the Second Amendment Foundation. We've got uh, Scott Van Kirk, who is suddenly a wheelman, just loves wheel guns. And, I do uh, love me some wheel gun. Yeah, I do. and and Larry Whelan from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Who loves who just, selling me some wheel gun. I love who selling just Scott some wheel gun. coincidentally involved bringing another revolver into the studio. I did. Just, just you must you know, like you close your eyes and you arbitrarily pick something and you bring it in and it just happens to be Scott's weakness. Well, what? and and I've already I've already you've already sold me one of these. I already sold you one of these. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, this, this one's going to be available for customers, that's so that's right. good. Um, no, I brought in the uh, the Kimber K six S. So this is a beautiful double action six shot compact revolver, all stainless steel. Kimber quality. Non-stacking trigger, double action only. Beautiful. Um, uh, you can actually drift out the sights and change them if you want. You can change that front sight because it's held in with a uh, roll pin. Um, this is it's, it's the pinnacle of, of current revolver production. It is. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the ability to get that, that cylinder, get the rounds a little closer together, make that cylinder real slim. It's the size of a Smith & Wesson J-frame five-shot revolver, mm -hmm. but it, it's a six-shot three fifty seven from Kimber. It, it is yeah. fantastic. And the triggers on them, like I said, with that no stack, Yeah, they are a, st a standard double-action trigger. You know, they're going to be in that 9 to 11, 9 to 12, 10 to 12 area or whatever. But it is consistently that same weight all the way through. There's no mechanical stack on this at all. Um, there's more holster manufacturers out there than you think. Um, I bought one of these last year from mm -hmm. you, I think, that you yeah. had in the shop as a used one. And then most recently, I bought the brand new little brother to this gun, which is actually an aluminum alloy frame. Six shot 38. Eight, yeah. Six shot 38 plus P. Yeah. And that thing is gorgeous. It's a great little gun. <laughs> 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 yep, they are. So, they're fantastic. Uh, tell me about shooting this, Scott. Uh, comfortable with the grip and oh yeah, yeah. These these and um, highly concealable. Um, mine came with a set of wood um, stocks mm -hmm. on it. This one has got a rubber rubberized uh, stock to it that's pretty minimal, which is good from a concealment standpoint. This one is technically a three fifty seven Magnum. I tend to just run thirty eight or thirty eight plus P's through mine. Um, but because it's an all stainless steel gun, this one's actually pretty, pretty manageable. Yeah, pretty manageable. It's got some significant weight. I'd have to look up the, the yeah, stats this, on it. It's, this got, it's got decent weight. 26 ounces, something <clears throat> yeah, like that, that whereas the, the new baby brother in the aluminum alloy is 14 point something, 15.2, yeah. something like that. Yeah. That's pretty. Oh, it's so good. Everyone should have one. I almost think I should have two. That's not a bad idea. Because I don't have this one, these grips. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than buy the grips, I'm like, yeah, I should just buy, buy the gun. Yeah. Yeah, Larry, if you, if you pull that off, Larry, and get him to buy that just because of the grips, yeah. I'm putting you out as salesman of the year. Right. Oh, he's already, look, he's already doing math over there on his phone. Like, what? what yeah, I'll see what we can do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you yes, I highly, I highly recommend these Kimber revolvers. They really are, in my opinion, Right, where they're the apex. They're better than. I mean, the new Colt production is amazing. Yes, but the prices are are up there yeah. on them, and they don't really do anything like this. Nobody does anything like this. A J framed gun that is six shot yeah. and really pretty easily concealed. It's what it's what it's what makes this Kimber K six so unique in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's neat, but it's but wait, there's more. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He brought in a Sig. 
this is uh, what the P three sixty five. Yeah, so yeah, a couple of them. Well, I got a couple here. of them in. Um, <laughs> well, this we, one's got the the, uh, the optic op- on optic it. on it. Yeah, so this is the the sought after P three sixty five in three eighty ACP. I didn't even know they made one. In yeah, it is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same physical dimensions as their nine millimeter version, but but it's softer, softer shooting, uh, shooting three eighty ACP, and there's some really good defensive three eighty out there. There is. Um, uh, two decades ago, I was not uh, a fan of using 380 as a mm-hmm. as a def- as a carry gun because there were so the guns were so big and the round was so and anemic. the round was so anemic a 95 grain ball ammo it was hard to find there was some uh, there was some Winchester silver tip at the time but uh, you know it didn't feed through all the guns that that were created at the no, time. No, it's too conical with yeah, the bullshit, but yeah. Now, the the rounds have come a long ways uh and Sig offers their P365 with the uh Sig Romeo Zero optic mounted on it uh as well as co-witness iron sights. This is a great little package. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and this this sells <laughs> brand new at, at 680 bucks. Yeah. So, no, it, it's, it's a complete cool. package. It is cool. It's a cool little guy. Um I know you're not a 380 fan. You've got so much nine millimeter. Why bother? But I know, but it, this no, it, this one's cool. I could see it, this it, could be my left hand gun it, with my K6S as it, my it right hand gun. It's a good. It fits a good niche. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, there's a niche for this, and I like it. Um, that softer recoil, 380 has come into its own. Yes. From a cap, from a ammunition standpoint, when you get into these bitty guns. Nine can be a bit snappy. Yes. Um, so, yeah, no, this is good for you finding, especially finding one. Like I said, I didn't even know they made them, so it must be kind of sought, sought yeah, after. Yeah, it's a good little piece. Yeah. It's back to that yeah, no thing. Yeah, yeah, yes no. no. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah no. no. I was going to bust him on it. I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, no. Eh? <laughs> uh, but, but you also brought in uh, the 9mm so SIG. I, yeah, I brought in a SIG 365 SAS. So this is the one with the fancy integrated green dot sight. Oh, yeah. That is rebated down into the slide. So there's no no iron sights that stick up on the slide on the six, uh, 365 SAS. And we have these up at the Gary on Guns Facebook page. People want to take a look at the picture. That optical sight, I don't have a close-up of that, but you can see uh, from the profile of the gun, there's no front sight on it. And the rear sight is, is. Uh, I don't know, it's about a two-inch two long optical sight that is fiber optic and tritium. It beguiles me. And it is... <laughs> It is the easiest sight picture to teach somebody to shoot. You put the dot in the middle of the circle on your target, squeeze the trigger. Uh, it's it, it beguiles me. I, I don't. It's, <laughs> you're, yeah, it's your voodoo, your witchcraft. That it, is this sight. It is fantastic. <laughs> uh, a great little concealed carry gun, like I say, because it is tritium backed up. You've got that same sight picture day or night. It'll automatically brighten in the daylight with the fiber optic. And uh, this is actually a very clean used gun I took in on oh, trade really? at four ninety five. That's so, why it's such a steal. Yeah, it, it's a great Let deal on a, on a used gun. We pass the savings along. It's it's a oh, it's in real good shape. And it oh is, yeah, you know, comes with the two mags, the box, the docks. I got the whole kit with it. Real clean. It just uh, is Sig doing this side on anything else with the three sixty five? I've not seen it on any other products. Because mm. it is, it is, it's a little bit of voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, I like it. This would fit in your pocket nice, too, because it's so smooth. So top. smooth, yep. Yeah. Uh, we've got one more firearm that oh, yeah, we want to cover on show and tell. We'll do that in just a minute. We're going to talk about the uh, Second Amendment uh, Preservation Act and where it stands. Uh, Larry posted a video at Gary on Guns on Facebook. The Second Amendment Preservation, uh, Second Amendment Foundation is going to be with us uh, and uh, as well. So we've got a lot of ground to cover 
in the next uh, segment of the program. It's Gary on Guns. Welcome. We're wrapping up Show and Tell with Larry Whalen from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And Scott Van Kirk, because Larry brought in a Canik, uh, and it is... Um, yeah, so this is the TP9 Elite Combat. This was a partnership from um, uh, Salient Arms and Canik. So the barrel is salient and the trigger is salient. Um, and, this has uh, got all of the bells and all of the whistles. Yes. Boy, you're not kidding. And hits the price at six ninety nine with the opti- Vortex Optic on it. I don't, wow. know how you, I don't know how you're able to do that. Yeah, it is yeah. It is a fantastic is, pistol. A you great know what? If, if the margin is as, as small on this firearm as I think it is, you should sell it to Scott. because That way I can make some money on it. Make some <laughs> real money on it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. The, the Canic Arms are imported from Turkey by Century Arms International. Fantastic guns, lifetime warranty. There is every manner and sort of aftermarket part. If you're a guy that likes to, a guy or gal that likes to monkey with your gun, there's all kinds of parts available. Uh, this one has uh, all kinds of stuff already done to it from the factory. Is it? It is an extended uh, threaded barrel, so it is silencer ready. Um, it does have a, a great optical sight on it from the Vortex. Big flat face trigger. Yep. Uh, Magwell. Magwell. Um, magazines extensions because I mean you could turn this into a competition gun and. I mean, it's already is. It a already is. Yeah, competition gun. If you yeah. want to shoot competition with it, and um, it's a great way to get into a gun with all these features um, for about half of what you would if you just started out on your own trying yeah. to put something together. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's that really is. pretty cool. Yeah, that is neat. Uh, all right, so all of these uh, firearms will be available at Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. We'll have them over there at 10, 10 minutes after 10. Uh, somebody yeah, goes in and buys that Kimber K6, we can start a club. Yeah. There'll be two well, of us. I'll give you a, give you Scott's cell phone number if you buy, if you buy the K6. <laughs> oh, we'll just give it out on the air right now. <laughs> Why wait? So Somebody many people will. already have it. <laughs> <laughs> and it never rings. That's what gets me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it always rings once and then never again. Yeah. <laughs> all his friend call. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the Second Amendment Preservation Act uh, because it's, it's kind of... Uh, I wouldn't call it dead in the water, but it's it's not moving along with the alacrity we hoped. And you posted a video uh, on, on uh, the Gary on Guns Facebook page about what's going on. And the reasoning behind the hold on this doesn't make sense. Well, it, it, it hit uh, federal district court. Um, you know, the city of St. Louis uh, filed suit against Missouri uh, for the Second Amendment Pro- Protection Act. Uh, and... The uh, Attorney General uh, Merrick Gal- Meritless Garland joined right in, and um, they uh, the, the circuit court found in, in favor of uh, of the plaintiffs, and the state of Missouri's Second Amendment uh, Preservation Act is uh, still in court. Uh, it's still in place. Uh, there was not a injunction uh, given on it, but um, the court challenge is based on motive for writing the law. <laughs> Instead of the, the merits of the law, yeah, it's based on the motive for writing the law, which is a real stretch. So I don't think that um, when it gets to the supreme level for review, I, th- I think we'll see some relief on this. But um, it's it's disconcerting to see that a a law that was uh, passed by the by the legislature here in Missouri, signed by the governor, and now the um, the feds want to nullify it because of our motives for. Uh, for drafting quest- the law. I question your motives. Yeah, sir. yeah. Wait a <laughs> minute. Yeah, it's not like 
It's not like it it uh, infringes on the federal government's laws or rules. It's not like it's uh, you know badly written or any. Of it. It's because they didn't like the motive for writing the law. How pathetic is that? Let's uh, let's do this. Let's grab a phone call here. Eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. If you want to call in. Or you can go to GaryNolan.com uh, and send a message. And let's bring John in. Uh, there we go. Oh, well, let me try it again. There we go. John, good morning. Morning. Uh, this deal in Israel, the massacre, um, I, I, I did a little research on Google. Um, apparently, according to Google anyway, only 2% of the Israeli population is armed. Yeah, John, John, we're gonna, John, we're going to cover this ground in about five minutes uh, with the Second yeah, Amendment wonderful. Preservation, uh, with the Second Amendment uh, Foundation. Uh, and we'll give yeah, all the great. details on this, but you're right. They've got strict gun control, uh, and it is a problem. And, and I think a lot of people, thank you for the call, I think a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, how many of us thought that uh, in Israel, everybody that, you know, everybody was armed because they were right in the middle of, you know, a, a, they're surrounded by people that all want to kill them. I thought so. Uh, I thought they were, you know, well, uh, well healed. Yeah, I would have. And I was always under that impression, but I realized it's a very old impression that I had, probably going back to the 80s, 80s and 90s. I would like to, I guess I'd like to know if it's always been that way or is there was there a change at some point during one of their governments? Israel is a funny country. They don't have a constitution of any sort nor a bill of rights. They they operate under their declaration of independence. Um, their court system is kind of jacked up. They've got all kinds of weird <laughs> governmental things going on. It's just not what we're used to. Yeah, I just yeah. need to... Um, um, Listen to Larry, always the diplomat. Now, like there, he's, there like he's going to get a big order from the IDF. He's there, like, well, well, they're just different. <laughs> no, no, there, there's, there's a huge, uh, I mean, the, the, the military, the, the Israeli Defense Forces, in, include most all of their citizens. Right. So most all of their citizens have been trained in the use of mm-hmm. firearms, yep. but those firearms it's, don't stay with the citizens. Right. Well, we'll, we'll cover that ground with uh, the Second Amendment Foundation. They're going to be with us. Uh, in just a few minutes, Bill Sack is going to be on, and uh, we'll cover that. We'll talk about the Second Amendment and how uh, what a difference that makes. Uh, that's all coming up in uh, in just a few. Uh, it, a really bizarre story here about a guy who tracked down his stolen car, and he there were two teenagers, and apparently there was a confrontation, and he shot them both. He didn't kill them, but he did shoot them. The police arrived, and guess who got arrested? Everybody. Yeah. The guy that owns the car got arrested. Oh. The guy that owns the truck did get arrested. The other two went to the hospital. Uh, I'm sure they're not off the hook either. Uh, but, you know, you, you wouldn't expect uh, that this might happen. But the truth is, if your vehicle has been stolen and you think you can track it down, maybe you ought to call the police and let them handle it. It's always best to outsource your your violence like that, you know. If, if, at, all, if at all, if possible. at all possible, yes, now, if at all know, possible. That that scenario where um, you know armed attackers show up uh, to take your car and you're in it, that that that's that, different. That's a different. That that's that's kind of a a a more likely shoot scenario uh, in the defensive world. Um, if you've gone and tracked it down, um, that's 
that, that, that really changes the, the metric that, that you're going to be judged by. So you've got to know the laws. You've got to know what you can and can't do. And, um, yeah, uh, getting arrested for that is, is pretty pretty predictable. Right. But, yeah. but, but this is a, a warning to anybody who conceal carries that you really have to know the law inside and out. And even if you're 100% right. You're probably going to get arrested anyway. Yeah. yeah. Or, and, and it's going to cost likelihood. you. Yeah. That's right. And it's going to cost you. What about uh, insurance for that sort of thing? Um, either one of you guys ever invest in that? I have been looking for a while at CCW Safe and then, um, well, Marty Hayes's self-defense. There's a lot of products in the marketplace. Self-defense legal defense network or self-defense legal defense network. Sounds like American Dodgeball Association. Association, (laughs) (laughs) American Association of Dodgeball Association or whatever it is. (laughs) But um, those are the only two that I have a passing familiarity with. Um, the NRA's one is completely debunked, yeah. um, and I don't know that it was actually worth anything from the get-go. I sincerely hope all those people got their money back. Um, I've heard some things about some of the other players in the market that have ma- make me pause. So I'm, I'm still chewing on it. I know I need to do it. I just haven't yet. Well, when you've done all that homework, you should share it with us so we don't have to do all that homework because we're lazy. I'll probably share it with Larry. <laughs> Most likely to need insurance. That's why he's doing it. <laughs> yeah, but Larry will share it with the rest of us. We'll get we'll get the information out of you one way or another, okay. Van Kirk. There you go. There you yeah. Custo- it'd be customer driven. That'd be customer driven. <laughs> customer driven. <laughs> Panic buying. Oh, C- customer driven. Uh, all right. So uh, what what what's happened in the Gaza Strip uh, in Israel? does have an impact on us. And in fact, last Monday morning, when all of this was just bubbling up, one of the things I suggested was carry your firearm. Be armed. Uh, Go take some classes. Get a gun. And the reason I said that is because there was even then an implied threat against Americans. And I, I... you know, you'd think I was clairvoyant here, but uh, wasn't too terribly long after that uh, when they called for a day of rage. And we've seen some assaults around the world, generally with a knife, but we've seen some assaults. And there are some really crazy people uh, who are in this country. The border here uh, is a problem. And neither party wants to fix it. Neither neither political party wants to fix it. So we have what they call gotaways coming through the uh, the southern border. Those are people who have snuck in, weren't apprehended, weren't questioned. We have no idea who they are. We've got no clue where they went. And they could just as easily... In fact, they think they got a couple of uh, Middle East... Uh, uh, people that had crossed the border and their backgrounds were a little iffy and they got caught. So we'll talk about the Second Amendment with the Second Amendment Foundation and Scott Van Kirk and Larry Whalen from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location.
on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. It is uh, Gary on Guns. Scott Van Kirk is in along with Larry Wayland from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And uh, Bill Sack is on board with us as well. He is with the Second Amendment Foundation. He wanted to come on uh, when we had our best guest, but he was only free this morning. <laughs> so uh, we threw him in anyway. So what, you're going to have him talk during a best of or something? Or? <laughs> well, <laughs> you certainly, got, certainly, you got certainly the wouldn't include today. you, come Van on. Kirk. It yeah. would not include you. <laughs> All yeah, right, we uh, don't have any best ofs. Of this <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I noticed they started calling, and we're going to play a best we can find. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly, it's uh, three to one. It's about even. Uh, Bill Sack is with us uh, from the Second Amendment Foundation. Bill, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. Good morning, Gary. Thanks for having me. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, let's talk first a little bit about the foundation. Uh, you guys uh, get involved in a lot of legal battles, uh, including uh, red flag laws. Uh, give us a, a kind of a brief history. Sure. So Second Amendment Foundation, we're now in our 49th year. We're working up to our, our 50th anniversary, which we're all very excited about. Uh, but we are one of the nation's largest uh, Second Amendment supporting organizations. Our, our underlying mission is is to restore, support, and expand uh, the rights of the people as guaranteed by the Second Amendment. Um, and, you know, one of the, the programs that we're most proud of is, is our legal and litigation department. Um, we're active in the federal and state courts all over the country, currently involved in over 50 pieces of active litigation. And uh, always looking for more opportunities to uh, punch the government in the mouth. I don't think you can go wrong with that. Thanks for what you do. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's definitely keep, worth keep, supporting. Keep hitting. All right. Um, we, yeah, we, we're, we're blessed to be able to do what we do. We watched this unfold in the Middle East um, with Israel and the attack. And I was always of the impression that you were, if you lived in Israel and you were a citizen that considering, you know, the tumult in the area, that these citizens would be armed. Then I discovered that 40% of the people who apply for a firearm uh, don't get it. They're limited to 50 rounds. If they do get permission, and I guess there are a lot of hoops to jump through, once they do get the firearm, they can never sell it. They can't just, uh, you know, sell it to their nephew or their cousin or a friend. They've, they've, they can't even get rid of their ammunition. they got to turn it back in. They were really caught with their pants down with this. And all I could think of is we at least have a Second Amendment. We have the right to own and bear arms. We don't have to go hat in hand to the government for permission. And I was suddenly even more grateful for the Second Amendment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think... You know, one of the things that I think it's important to to point out is, you know, we believe here at, at SAF that, you know, all, all of our rights to defend ourselves don't stem from the Second Amendment, but they stem from, you know, our, our natural inherent rights. Every person, every person uh, has the human right to defend themselves and to do so effectively. And what the Second Amendment here in the United States does is acknowledge that right and acknowledge that the right to effectively defend yourself cannot be infringed by the government. Uh, our right to defend ourselves predates the Second Amendment. 
you know, the, the day before the Second Amendment was ratified, we still all had the right to defend ourselves effectively and to keep and bear arms. Um, so, yeah, it, it is it is certainly concerning uh, when you see countries like Israel, which over the last decade or so have really clamped down on civilian firearm ownership. Uh, unfortunately, people were left uh, largely unable to effectively defend themselves when ultimately the time was most critical. And now they're they're almost giving firearms away. They're they're trying to arm everybody up. It's a little bit like closing the barn door after the horses are gone. Sure. So you know, in, in light of of the horrible attack of last week, the Israeli National Security Minister. Uh, directed the firearms licensing division uh, to do a few things. One, to to simplify the process to obtain a, a permit to carry. Um, my understanding is that the uh, ammunition restrictions were uh, loosened somewhat from 50 rounds to being able to purchase 100 rounds at a time, um, and that there was some discussion about the acquisition of uh, a significant number of rifles that were going to be distributed to, uh, I guess, local security forces or neighborhood security forces. Um, but you know, I think I think it's critical to point out that you know this is too little, too late for you know hundreds and if not thousands of people at this point um, who unfortunately already uh, have have been gravely injured or, or worse. Uh, if you just turned the radio on, Second Amendment Foundation, uh, Bill Sack with us, uh, talking about what what happened in Israel. Uh, I, I want to go to Scott Van Kirk for a minute. Scott, they've they've graciously decided in Israel to let their citizens have 100 rounds of ammunition. And if you're a, you're a firearms trainer, former law enforcement, uh, you get five or six guys with fully automatic weapons, and you got 100 rounds. Just how insecure does that make you feel? Well, um, I don't ever want to denigrate the fighting spirit of the Israeli people. I'd rather have more ammo. I'd rather have more <laughs> ammo. But, but, I'd rather have more ammo, but, then by, but by the same token, a lot can be accomplished with very little. Yes. That is yeah. why we walk around here with essentially firearms that aren't offensive but are defensive yeah. and there's a number of things that can be done um, when you look at everything that law enforcement does with primarily handguns oftentimes up against rifles and shotguns and different things like that um, I'm not I, I've never been a guy who subscribes to the big outgun thing I think there's a lot to be done especially in groups with the right motivation and a little bit of training and the Israelis unlike the US the Israelis have compulsory near total compulsory military service every um, start, starting at age 17 every male in the country does 30 months in the military the IDF every woman does 24 months so I mean there's there is a gun culture there just not the ownership of guns well if you don't own one of you if you don't have one and the bad guys come uh, you've got to struggle and if you're limited to 50 rounds or 100 rounds and there are a lot of bad guys I would want as Larry said uh, more uh, more ammo frankly uh, let's get back to the Second Amendment Foundation and uh, talk about uh, this uh, latest Supreme Court challenge. Bill Sack is with us from the Second Amendment Foundation. There is a rather ugly candidate uh, 
for um, the Second Amendment uh, going up uh, to the Supreme Court. Uh, and I am curious how you think this is going to work. The guy had uh, apparently smashed his girlfriend's head against the dashboard of the car, pulling her by the hair. Uh, he tried to uh, intimidate a witness firing a gun. Uh, he had a uh, restraining order placed on him. And now they're going to court, and he is just an ugly guy to have to defend. What tact do you think uh, they'll take uh, in court to defend this guy? Yeah, great question. So the case that you're talking about is called United States versus Rahimi. And yeah. It's currently up in front of the Supreme Court. Um, and, and the question at issue in the Rahimi case is whether uh, a particular statute known as 18 U.S.C. 1922 G8, which is one of the subdivisions uh, of the United States Code that determines or that specifies which types of individuals are prohibited uh, from owning and possessing firearms. Um, and G8 specifically talks about possession of firearms uh, by persons that are subject to domestic violence restraining orders. Um, so as you rightly mentioned, Gary, the underlying facts of the case are, they're a little distasteful. Um, you know, this, this is not a boy scout, uh, Mr. Rahimi. He certainly has a checkered past, um, and has undertaken, you know, some, some, some rather unsavory conduct, uh, as you mentioned. Um, but I think when you're looking at the case from a legal perspective, in particular, a second amendment perspective, is we have to separate the factual circumstances from the legal circumstances. And as the Supreme Court clarified in the Bruin decision uh, from June of last year, um, the uh, appropriate test to determine whether uh, a particular piece of gun control is constitutional is whether it abides by the text of the Second Amendment as determined by the history and tradition of firearms regulation in the country, um, and that the right period of time to determine that history and tradition is to look predominantly at the time of the ratifications of the late 1700s. So the question is not whether Mr. Rahimi's conduct is something that we would condone or support or uh, even tolerate, for that matter, um, but rather whether the history and tradition of firearms regulation in this country uh, supports the disenfranchisement of individuals uh, who are subject to domestic violence restraining orders, um, which uh, typically and, and pretty much universally um, are, are granted at a significantly lower adjudica adjudicative level um, than, for example, being convicted of a felony. Um, which is the traditional standard for someone being disenfranchised and, and being determined to be a prohibited person. Um, so, so what's it, what's at issue is, you know, how easy should it be for the government to take your Second Amendment rights away? That's the larger question, not whether we think Mr. Rahimi's conduct is uh, uh, worthy of condemnation or not. Yeah, he's a very unsympathetic um, character in and. Uh uh, I think they're going to try and paint the Supreme Court as being extremist, and they're going to use, uh, in, in, in the media, uh, this guy's uh, ugly history uh, to make the case. Uh, and I think that it, that implication is, is going to generally reflect what happens politically 
uh, around the country. Which is an interesting position to take because the left and the media will tout that we need to release, for instance, members of the Weather Underground from the 60s who were responsible for the death of law enforcement officers or uh, members of the Black Par- Panther Party from that same time. Well, the left and pretty be- much because, preaches, right. you know, uh, no no accountability for your actions anyway. Right. So I don't see why the, yeah. the, the left wouldn't love this criminal Every, dirtbag. Everybody deserves <laughs> another chance yeah. is, is sort of what they've done to support the release of individuals yeah. who have been convicted bail of bail reform and anything, yeah. everything else like that. But on a dime, they'll ch- they'll turn change directions and say, "Well, look at this. We can't we can't support this on we can't adjudicate this on the legal principle. We have to adjudicate it on the character of the of the plaintiff." Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what they'll do in the media. Uh, Bill Sack is with us. He is with the Second Amendment Foundation. Their website saf.org. Saf.org. Bill, can you hang on for a few? Certainly, happy to stay around. All right, quick break. We'll be back. Gary on guns. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. Larry Wayland is in from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Along with Scott Van Kirk, former law enforcement and uh, Second Amendment and, and uh, firearms trainer. Sometimes um, at the Brown Station location. That's true. Periodically. Brown Station yeah. location. Uh, and Bill Sack <laughs> is with us from the Second Amendment Foundation. Bill, uh, the, the uh, Bruin decision, if followed to its logical extension, does that at some point mean, uh, or will it at some point lead us to getting rid of the uh, the ban on fully automatic weapons? Uh, does it potentially get rid of the the uh, NICS check? Well, quite possibly. So the the large questions that are before the court at the moment, and I think where we're going to see, hopefully, see the court start to clarify some cases that are currently percolating through uh, the circuit courts around the country um, are whether the Bruin decision uh, supports a conclusion that magazine restrictions, magazine capacity restrictions are unconstitutional. Um, as you guys, I'm, I'm sure, have been following along, the, the Duncan decision out of the Southern District of California uh, Judge Benitez recently uh, came out with his new opinion uh, after that case had been uh, gone all the way up to the Ninth Circuit on Bonk and then remanded back down. Um, that the California magazine capacity ban has now been struck down again, although that uh, injunction is, is on hold. Um, and assault weapons bans, uh, so-called assault weapons bans around the country. So, you know, the larger question is, you know, these sorts of modern gun control uh, tactics, which we saw, you know, really come into play in the 1930s and and since, um, they're all relatively young. Um, and they certainly don't harken back to the time of the ratification. Um, so the, the natural extension and the proper application of Bruin uh, is certainly going to look very, very deeply uh, askance at these sorts of regulations, and and that very likely does include the NFA. Um, now, the question is, you know, how quickly and how boldly uh, is the Supreme Court interested in moving on these issues? Um, you know, and for how long are we going to be able to maintain this uh, this current lineup on on the Supreme Court? Those are all things that that remain to be seen, and and that certainly can impact these sorts of decisions moving forward. 
It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds, and I know you guys are going to be in on the fight all the way. Thank you for all you do. I know the guys uh, all uh, respect the fact that uh, the Second Amendment Foundation... Great uh, organization. Thank you. Yeah, yes. so Thank active you. in defending uh, our rights. We'd love to have you guys come back again. Bill? Yeah, Gary, we certainly appreciate it. Scott Larry, thank you for uh, for having us. And, yeah, I'd love to come back. Let's make this a regular thing. All right, sounds like a deal. Bill Sack uh, and Second Amendment Foundation, SAF.org. Uh, if you've got a, a question, uh, 800-529-5572 or 874-9390. Brian, did, you, uh, did somebody call in from Hallsville? They did, and they were trying to uh, announce the uh, Hallsville police benefit. Uh, I'm sure you... You you stopped them. You, you I did, per- yes. Yeah, because you yeah, tell me a little more about that. What, what's, well, what's we, going yeah, on? I would what, love to do that. What what, are the, what did these nefarious well, individuals do when they called? I, I would love to do that. The problem is that uh, you know we got a sales department, and well, they we make- just want to hear what the conversation was. It's more show oriented than it is promoting their thing. Yeah, we just want to know what Brian was dealing with. What was this, the the deal with these people? Uh, well, I don't know. He's he, he, Brad is on the line right now. Uh, Brad, welcome to the program. What exactly did you try to get Brian to air on my show? Well, um, I was just wanting to talk about the Police Foundation of Hallsville benefit brews and barbecue tonight um, at 530 at the Lamone Building in Hallsville. Oh, yeah. We're not going to be able to mention that. That's easy yeah, to find, well, the Lamone Building there in Hallsville. That's a yeah, yeah, great, Lamone, great facility. It is. It yeah. is. And barbecue and, and brews, that implies, that implies beer and barbecue. Is that what we're, is the implication there? Just to yes, clarify sir. what we're not going to talk about. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. I'm, I'm pro both what's those a, things. What's a ticket What's a ticket to uh, come and partake there? Just for curiosity. Yeah, sake. curiosity. Yeah. Well, normally the day of the event, the tables would go to $220 for a table of six. And tickets would be um, $45 for the day. But if somebody would happen to call the Kenyatta's phone number that's listed on the flyer, and mention today's episode or hearing it on Gary and Guns, we would honor the normal sale price of $200 for a table and $35 for a ticket. That's a great savings. That is a great yeah. savings. Do we know what the number What's is? What's that though? number? Yeah. How do we find that number? Um, it is 573-682-4584. Oh, okay. That's a great way to save some money. In it is. Oh, man. It would have been sorry. We, could, we can't mention that yeah. at all. Yeah, good thing we yeah. can't bring it up. Yeah, Too bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brad, sure. uh, try again next year, but uh, go to the advertising people. They, they would have aired this. we got to run, guys. Thanks for being with us. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem and Gwen, baby, honey. I'm coming home.